Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thank you for signing up. And if you if you would uh, if if you haven't signed up and you got one, we'd love it if you could do that. Hey, this is what we're about here. I want to welcome you to Pacific Point Church. Actually, Juan and Casey have been skipping church for a while, but it's for a good reason. They just had a beautiful baby. Where is the baby over there? Don't. Okay, do not touch the baby, but you can go look at the baby, right? So it's so good to have you guys back. So exciting. Oh, you have wipes to keep them. Okay, that's, that's a good first, first baby mama right there. You know, the first one you got wipes. Second one you go, oh, your hands clean. The third one you go, just touch it. It'll be all right. You know, by the fourth, they're, they're eating whatever. Yeah, who, fifth, I don't even know. Do we have a fifth one? Fifth one we forget all the time, and they're like, they don't even know where they're at. Hey, uh, this is what we're about, learning to love and live like Jesus. That's it. Simplicity of the gospel. That's, it, it, we can move a little bit closer towards being like Jesus each day, okay, each month. Each, if we can just move a little bit down that, that line, then we'll have, we're doing what God has called us to do. You know, we don't want to put all these things on you and go, oh gosh, I can never do that. But we're, we're really encouraged. Our, our values are a relationship with God, a relationship with others, and then sharing our grace story. We are in a, a series over the summer about, and it's really about stirring up the crops inside of us, the stirring up our souls and allowing uh, God's word to take root. That's what we want. We want these thick, have you anybody ever seen a tree like that? These thick roots that are just deep down that, that hold in the midst of difficult times. And we've been talking about chasing happiness and we mix it in hope. This week, the rock, the fear of the Lord, building strength, the soils and watering the soil. And all of these things are really around one thing, others. Everything that we're, we're moving towards this summer and preaching about is this, that this gospel is not about you. Now that's an interesting statement because it's all about you. But it's so much about you, it's not about you. When you come into this relationship with Jesus, then it becomes about others. See, the church is so self-focused, it's all about us. Can we get a bigger building, more money? Can we do this, another ministry, whatever it might be? And, and we are that as people, consumers, that, that the Bible is really pointing towards others because they don't have the hope of Jesus. So the reason that we're building up this summer and we're saying and heading to directions is because I want you guys to be the hope. I want the fruit that comes out of your lives to be little kids on the front row that like to talk. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, how you doing? I love it. You're the best. I know. Um, I want us to be able to feed others with the fruit of our life. Because Jesus says that he wants none to perish. That everyone to come to repentance in God. I was kidding. You don't have to. Jeez, we can run them. There's that gift of thinning the crowd. Chris says I have this gift. gift 
Oh, the gift of encouragement also. We were in a small group and, and there was like 10 of us and, I, I, and, and they asked what your gifts were. We, this is a, years ago. And I'm, I, my gift isn't, you know, necessarily encouragement. I might, maybe sarcasm, it may be joking. There's a few gifts. But in all seriousness, we're going around this room with all eight, 10 of us and it gets to us and, and in all sincerity, they said, what, what is your gift? One of your gifts, John? And I said, you know, I have this gift of encouragement. To which she fell on the floor laughing, and, s- <laughs> and my heart was broken. I cried myself to sleep that night because I really thought I had this gift. And she, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so we want to talk about, yes, I'm saved, thank you. We want to talk about today, the rock, okay? Turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue, be my rock and refuge, a strong fortress to save me. There's a story in Matthew 7 that many of us have heard, and I, I want to kind of unpack it a little bit today. Um, and, and, and I want you to think through your, your mind's eye are you, what you're building on. The story talks about two different foundations, one of sand and one of stone, one on a rock. And just kind of examine your life a little bit. What am I building my life on? It says this in Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell, the torrent raged, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was its collapse. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I pray for a clarity of thought and word. God, give us hearts to receive. God, I pray that we'd be a church that would build with a proper foundation and that we would be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There's, there's two men that he talks about in this parable. The wise man who builds his house on a rock, and I love this picture because the, 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 the metaphor that he uses is that a storm is coming. Can you imagine building a house on a rock on an ocean or something like this and what the storm must be like coming against that house? But it says the wise man built it on this rock and acted on God's word. It was solid and everything that was there. The foolish man builds his house in the sand just hears the words of God, but they literally go in one ear and out the other. Not unlike many of us, the word of God goes in one ear and out the other. And this, this picture, I wanted to have a picture so you can see the contrast of sturdy, of stoic, of strong, of future. You look at that and you go, that's going to be there for a while. And you go, eh, not so much. And it's the same thing in your walk and mine. If we build on this rock, which is Jesus, sturdy, steady, we're going to be there into eternity. Build on the sand, you're just kind of shifting all the time. You're shifting all the time. Does it sound a little bit like Christianity? The goalposts are shifting constantly. They're trying to rework and re- redefine what this word says. It's on shifting sand. Because if anything outside of Jesus is shifting, wise or foolish, which one are you? The wise man is a believer who has built his life upon the rock of Christ. In this world, he has faith and hope and the next everlasting life and love. The wise man is like a tree planted by the riverside whose leaves do not wither. 
That's the picture of a wise man. The heart of a wise man is this. A wise man's heart is inclined to what is right, Ecclesiastes says. The foolish man, the foolish man lives a life as if there's no God. In his world, he calls the shots right or wrong. The foolish man's wisdom is like sand in the hands of a child. It's always slipping away. The heart of a foolish man says there's no God. They're corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. The heart of the foolish man. Now, the reality is this. All of you have been fools. I've been a fool. Try not to be fools. The reality is this, is that we can walk in and out of both of those things. But what the question is, what do you want your life defined by? Your foolishness or your wisdom? See, the parable of the wise builders gives two, pri- two metaphors in there. The primary metaphor is the storm is coming, and that's God's judgment, that, that, that we will stand before God someday. The primary story metaphor that he's talking about is the judgment of God, but there's a secondary metaphor that's going on. The storm stands for life circumstances. See, because in your life, you will hit and storms will come, and the circumstances that you will deal with. True? Anybody going through a storm? Anybody have any circumstances in their life right now that, that just... Look, the reality is this, and I always say, you're either going into a circumstance, you're right in the middle of a circumstance, you're coming out of a circumstance, but they're always happening in your life. But the bigger picture that Jesus is talking about, this primary judgment that this, someday you will stand before God that you and I will stand before God. In both scenarios, there's a wise man and a foolish man. In both scenarios, the wise man acts on the word of God and the foolish man does not act on the word of God. Wisdom is action. Foolishness is not acting. In both scenarios that we see. But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. See, when we look at the church today, we see that statistics, they say 4% of the church really lives like the church. You know, believes the Ten Commandments, tries to walk out. 4%, now think about that, lives a true biblical worldview. Blackaby said this and so Barna, two, two uh, statisticians that, that gathered information said that Christians, only 4% of Christians truly live out what this Bible says. Who's the 4%? It's, it's no wonder that there's a church that isn't delivering people out of hopelessness. It's no wonder that the church is, is not grabbing a hold and changing lives. It says, but the doer of the word and not hearers only deceiving themselves. Now you think about that. There are people in this church today. There are times in my life that, that I think that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be. I am completely deceived and just not doing what this Bible says. The word deception is this, that you literally think you're doing what God has called you to do. For some of us, because you come to church, you think we're doing what God has called to do. For some of us, because we don't cuss, we think we're doing what God has called us to do. For some of us, I'm still working on that one. For some of you, you think that because you don't drink or because you don't whatever, fill in the blank, you have all these things of do's and because you're not doing or because you're, you're acting like that that, that, that you're actually fulfilling what God has called you to. It's not true. We're deceived. 
Let's look at the secondary metaphor of the storm, life circumstances. Full versus wise. I want to look at a few of these this morning. The secondary storms, let's look at marriage, money, and life. What I can tell you about this, if, if you're single and I'm talking about marriage, there's a bigger picture here. I use marriage in, in a general sense. We'll talk specifically about marriage. But look at your life and what you can look for as a single person in looking for a relationship. Does that make sense? So I, my wife always gets upset because I say marriage, and then she's like, what about all these people who are single? And I, I get it, okay? These people are single. But when we talk about it, I, I'm not letting you out. I'm just, I just I, I'm not trying to leave you out. I just, when we talk about money, let me give you a little sigh of release. I'm not going to talk about tithing, okay? So relax, all right? Just to take you off here, okay? And then when we talk about life, we'll talk about life circumstances. But I, I want to talk about these three within the context of foolishness and wisdom, and examine your life and see where you might be walking. Marriage, sand or the rock. Are you building on the rock in your marriage? Are you looking towards a marriage that was, is going to be built on a rock? In other words, single people, are you looking for people, a man or a woman, that would act the way God has called them to act, that is building on a rock so that when you get married someday, that it's not this shifting sand and you end up divorced like 50% of the people. It says this in Mark 10, 8, and the two shall become one flesh. So they were no longer two, but one flesh. The storm, the first storm I want to look at is idolatry and the foolishness of idolatry. And it's this, that we've said this. Some of you, before you got married, some of you before, and you're, you're thinking about getting married, and you say things like this. When I find the right person, everything will be great. Some of you got married. Some people get married because they think when they get married, everything will be perfect. And you married people know that that's not true. Okay, just you, you guys' marriages are perfect. <laughs> Do we need to wake up here? <laughs> Other than my marriage, which is perfect to Chris, and there are no storms that hit, uh, <laughs> this is a lie that, that has been spoken to so many of us. When I find the right person, everything will be great. It is the fool who says, when I find him or I find her, everything will be great. Because it's not true. See, it's the wise man that builds on the rock that says this in Isaiah 54, 5. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. What does that mean? It means this, that when two become one, you can't look for that person to fulfill all your needs in your life. And what happens is this, is that, that, that we think by getting married that we're going to be happy because that person's going to fulfill all those needs in our life. And we look for our spouses to meet needs that only God can meet. And we look for God to meet needs that our spouses are called to meet. We get it all backwards. Does that make sense? See, the one who looks to God is the one who is steady. Let me give you an example. I bought our bed. We have this king-size bed. I, I love a, a big bed. I've got, she gives me this little sliver on the side. She says I dominate. I don't think I do. This morning I was hanging off the side. But I bought our bed. Therefore, I always feel like I should sleep in our bed. Now, when there are fights, you know, in 97 when we had that fight, um, <laughs> 97 minutes ago, right. Okay, thank you for reminding us. I work alone. <laughs> when we have this fight, gosh, 
I refuse to leave the bed. I know that's hard to believe. She cannot sleep in the bed with the jerk that refuses to leave the bed. So she goes downstairs, to which I, by then I'm already snoring. That's a whole nother sin and story. And when we talk about it, and when she ministers, she says this. When I'm on that couch and I'm so mad at you, and I I, I'm so mad I can't sleep next to you, this is where I land. That you will never meet the needs that God called to meet in my life. That as great as you are and as handsome and as wonderful as you are as a husband, God is my maker and my husband. And, and this, this woman truly lives in this place that says this, I'm not looking for you to meet all my needs. Only God can meet them. Can you step it up a little? But only God can meet them. If you're single and you're looking for a man to meet all your needs, you've completely missed it. God says, I'm your husband. I am your Lord. I am your maker. I will sustain you in the storms. And when the storm comes, we look to him. Second storm. Ah, this is, I don't deal with this one, but I'll try to talk about it. Um, anger. See, the building on the sand that is shifting, the foolish man, it says this in Proverbs, a harsh word stirs up anger. And I have so much difficulty with this one because I, I, I just think strong, hard words should bring you to attention. It should bring you and shake you out of your foolishness. And it, and it is not true. And, and harsh words I'm working on flow out of my mouth, these hard, strong, loud words. And the Bible says this, you're building on sand. It'll fall through your hands. It's not stable for your children or your wife or others. The wisdom in the midst of anger, the Bible says a soft word turns away wrath. A kind word. A kind word turns away. Just, just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, changes the whole atmosphere. When the storm comes, a wise woman or wise man just says, I'm sorry, speaks kindness. A fool engages in anger. When the storm comes, the lack of covering, we'll get personal here. A foolish man, I'll speak to the men here. A foolish man doesn't cover his wife. Women, as you're looking for a husband, find a man who will cover you, who will cherish you, who will love you. A fool is selfish, self-centered, and it's shifting sand because it brings insecurity into your home, over your wife, in your relationship. A foolish man is all about him. A wise man lives in the Word of God, the rock of the Word of God that says this in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her and sanctified her, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the Word and presenting her to himself as a glorious church without stain or without wrinkle and such blemish, but holy and blameless. This picture of marriage is this picture of, of the church and, and, and the beauty. And as Jesus will present the church, uh, and, or the church will be presented to Jesus in, in all of her, her glory without spot or wrinkle. The Bible says this as husbands, that you should present your wives without bitterness, without anger, without, with all these emotions, but you should present her pure and holy. That's what a wise man does. 
who builds his house on the rock. All right, let's get real deep here. The storm comes in our sex lives. Married couples, if you're single, you do not have a sex life. <laughs> or let me, you should not have a sex life. <laughs> you should wait till God's perfect union. But in the midst of it, even when there's marriage, it says this, the fool. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully with intent has already committed adultery in his heart. That men, and I'll address men specifically, but women too, that, that even the look, the Bible says that, that intention in your heart, the foolish man does not control his eyes. The foolish man, the foolish person is wayward in all that they think and all that they do. And the sand is shifting. If you think your wife, the one that you love, doesn't notice, you're a fool. You're a fool. What does a wise person do who stands on the rock that this is this word that is Jesus? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. The world says, look. The world says, here's the next video. The world says, here's the next song. The world said, here's the next girl that's gonna walk by with half-dressed. And the Bible says, don't be conformed to that. It says, but, but be transformed in your mind. Renew in your mind. And the only way you can do it is through the Word of God, the rock, Jesus. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. That's a wise husband or man. Let's go another step. The foolish person, man or woman, says this in Proverbs. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes and not be burned? You know what that means? Can you touch that which God forbids you to touch and expect not to get burned? See, we, we equate God's lack of instant judgment with God's approval. Men, meaning we touch things that we're not supposed to. And because we don't get caught they go, okay, maybe God's all right with it. But can a man bring fire into his chest and on his clothes and not be burned? No. Foolishness. Wisdom says this. Now, here's where I shift it, and I'll tick off the women. 1 Corinthians 7 says this. For, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because your lack of self-control. That is like right in your face. We, we're in this, this time where there's an epidemic of sexless marriage. My friend Tony, who is a therapist, works with, with these kids, told me this in sitting with all these therapists. They said, it, it, it's an epidemic. True? Yeah, I was worried for a minute where you were going. Oh. Hold on here. sorry. Nothing says welcome to Pacific Point. Then, uh, yeah. Tony works with one of the four mentioned therapists around uh, uh, couples, and, and he had told me a while back that as they were sitting and talking with all, there's an epidemic. There's an, look, I, I find it hard to believe that if God has called a man and woman to come together, to become one, that he's only called them to have sex once a year, once a month. 
stepping on toes. I know I'm ticking some women off, maybe a man. See, but the rock of the Word of God that we stand on says this. Don't deprive one another, except for prayer and a time. But be intimate with one another. Why? So that Satan may not tempt you. See, the sand is this, that ah, he does, he'll be all right, you know. And then all of a sudden, his eyes are wandering somewhere else. And then you're mad at him because his eyes are wandering somewhere else. And he says, well, we, you, you know, you're not intimate with me. Send all emails to chris at sevenbluechairs.com. <laughs> There's storms in life, in marriage, in relationships. There's no way around it. The question is, are you going to build on the rock that is Jesus Christ, or are you going to build in these sands that just fall and, and, and get you to these places where there's no security or strength? What are you building on in your marriage? There's none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Storm, let's talk about money. Sand or rock. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. There is nothing here that doesn't belong to God that wasn't created by God. So let's step back and let's look at your money real quick. And again, I'm not going to talk about tithing, general principles. Jesus, though, liked to talk about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerning, was concerned with how to handle money and possessions. That's pretty impressive. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. Straight to money. The storm, the sand, money comes, the storm of finances. Says this in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Look, money is not evil. Money is not bad. Money is... Just paper, money, the way we exchange goods and services. Money is not bad. It's the love of money. It's the consumption of money. It's being owned by your money. It's not being open-handed with your money. Money is not bad, but the love of money is what grabs a fool in the shifting sand. It's never enough. It's never enough. NPR is just talking about this, did a study about seven, eight years ago, and, and across the board, from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor, said this, 20% more. That's the average. If I could just have 20% more. The billionaires that had it all, if I could just get 20% more, I'd be right there, right there. Those who had nothing, if I could just get 20% more, it would make me happy. It's not true, it's a lie. 20%, 50%, 100%, it's a lie. Some of you think if I just double my salary, if I just get a little bit more, if I just get the lottery, then I'd be happy. Not true. The Bible says this, keep your life free from the love of money. Become content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. But for some of us, it's not enough for God to say he'll never leave us. I got to have the money. God says, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. Be content with what I've given you. If I own it all, be content with what I've given you. And I am enough. Jesus is enough. For some of us, we've dug holes financially because of our foolishness, because of our love of money. And God says, I can pull you out of it. It's going to be tough, but live within the means that I gave you. Don't love money. And know this, I'll never leave you. 
I'll never forsake you. Even in those difficult times that you might be going through. Sand and the foolishness, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. The wise man says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. If you constantly find yourself seeking, if I could just get the next TV, if I could get the next car, the next house, the next fill in the blank, if I could just get there, everything would be better. The Bible says it's not true. If you seek God, he will add these things unto you. It may not be adding what you think you need, but he adds you to you exactly what you do need. We live in Orange County. Uh, I, it is one of the most difficult places to live. Growing a family. Money everywhere. You know, and, and, and one of my kids hanging out in Crystal, what is it, Crystal Cove? Emerald Bay. You know, with all, all, the, all the money. And then they come back to our house. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, we laugh in our house. I think I've, told, I've said this before, but, but you know, all these, these people that have money and, and my kids, we call them the Richies. I said, well, we're rich too, kids. We're rich in Jesus. And that goes over like, you know what? <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's true. It's true. It sounds stupid and it pisses off my children and makes them, but, but it is true. We're rich in Jesus and there's contentment. What are we buying? More stuff? Truth? Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. When, when you go after wisdom, all these other things come into place. When you go after wisdom, money follows. When you love what you're doing and you go after what you're, you're created to do, all those financial things follow. God is faithful. God is faithful. Third storm, storm of life, sand and rock. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain to the just and the unjust. In other words, the rain, it says, falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. There's this common grace that's out there that God gives rain to both the most wicked sinners and the most godly of people. The storm that comes, let's say, loss of a job. The foolish man says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. The fool is the one who when he loses his job or something difficult comes in his life, he takes no pleasure in going to God's word and having any understanding, but curses God and is angry at what has happened to him. But the Bible says this, the man who stands on the rock, the woman who stands on the rock of Jesus and this word, trusts in the Lord with all their heart and doesn't lean on their own understanding. See, your understanding is minuscule. You can't reason through why something might have happened to you. It doesn't make sense, and it may not even be right. But we've got to trust in God. We have to trust in God. Life circumstances, death. The fool yells at God and curses God and says, how could you allow this to happen? How could there be a God? How could you allow my child to die? How could you allow my wife to die, my husband to die, my friend to die? Whatever it is, the foolish man in that sinking sand, because when that's your question, when life circumstance hits you and you lose a loved one, when it's that, God, how could you do that? There's no foundation to grab a hold of and you're constantly asking anger and bitterness and all these things that you grasp for and there's nothing to grab a hold of. The foolish person. The wise man sits in Psalms 119. This is my comfort in my affliction. 
that your promise gives me life. This is my comfort when I have lost, that you promise to give me life. This is the comfort that I sit in, that you promise to give us everlasting life. This is the comfort that I sit in, that God, you are faithful in, in, despite all of my foolishness. The wise man or woman sits in this word and meditates upon it day and night. And when the difficulties come, they say, God, you're my, my comforter. God, you promise to give me life. And they're not tossed to and fro through the motions of the circumstances of life. Let me finish with primarily what God was speaking of. We talked about life circumstances, but the primary metaphor that God was speaking to here is this, that Jesus is coming and then God will judge. It says this in Romans 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Each one of us in here will stand before God and give an account of our life. And Jesus in this, this parable says, look, are you standing on the rock? And when you give that account, will you be able to stand up with your shoulders back and look at God in the eyes and for him to have said, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will you have built your life in the sand and you're grasping and you're thinking, what can I tell God? How do I justify this? How do I tell him that ah, I didn't really mean that or whatever it might be? What are you building on? See, the storm, judgment comes, and the fool says this, there is no God. And the wise man standing on the rock says this, and justice is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. See, the wise man understands that my actions have responsibilities, that my actions will be judged, that the things that I do I will give an account for, and that I can't just go out in life and live the way I want and think that I won't give an account for the foolishness of my life. The things I say, the things I do, the, thing, the people that I've hurt, things that I've taken... See, the wise man that stands on the rock of the Word of God knows what the Word of God says and knows that judgment is coming and knows that those who are in relationship with Christ and are forgiven can stand before God without guilt and shame. The foolish man says this, I'm a good person. How many times are you, I'm a good person? I'm a good person. I, you know what? All you guys are good people. That's a lie. The foolish man says, I'm a good person. I helped walk that whoever across the street. I took cookies to my neighbor. I'm a good person. I didn't flip anybody off on the freeway today. <laughs> the wise man says this. There's no one good, not even one. The wise man has the ability to look in the mirror and realize that what this word says about me is true. That left unto myself, I'm a fool. Left unto myself, there's no righteousness. The wise man understands that he needs a savior. The foolish man says this, I'll party in hell with all my friends. You ever heard that one? Have you really stopped to think about that? That is such a bad understanding of what hell is. Hell is a separation from God. No good, no kindness, no grace, no mercy. All those things. I'm going to party in hell with my friends. The fool says that. The wise man says this, for the wage of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wise man says, I understand that my sins require death, but Jesus came and died for me, so I don't have to die, that I have an everlasting life. It's a free gift that he gives me, this eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
The foolish man says this, my sin won't hurt anyone. It's my little sin. No one knows. It's not hurting anyone. One of the biggest lies told today, that my sin doesn't hurt anyone. That's what the foolish man and builds their life on sand says. But the wise man says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, the wise man says this, I know of my sin. God knows of my sin. And yet while I was still a sinner, God sent his son Jesus to die for me so that I could have life. The wise man who builds his life on the rock of truth, of God's word, is fully aware that he is the sinner, but he rejoices in the fact that God gives us a provision through his son Jesus. So I don't have to pay for the price, but Jesus did. Yeah. The foolish man says, I can save myself. The foolish man says, I don't need this God. I can do it myself. The wise man who builds his house on the rock says this. The word says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, if I acknowledge the Jesus of this Bible, and I, and I, I, I eat it, and I believe it in my heart, if it's, the word says that, that, that I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I, I believe in my heart that God raised his son from the dead, it says, I will be saved. And I don't have to pay the price of my sin. It's called this great exchange. It's the best deal going. A wise man builds his house. The truths of this word. So my question to us today is who are you building your life on? The shifting sand or the rock? There's none holy like the Lord. For there's none beside you. There's no rock like our God. We have this whole world, this church of, of people just, just yeah, you know, I, I, you think of a, a sand pit and just grasping and it just falling and you, there's nothing to hold on to. And the wise man stands firm on the rock into eternity before his maker. What are you building with today? What are you building with today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, God. Uh, Lord, you've called us to build on the rock of Christ Jesus, on the rock of his word. God, all of us go back and there's parts of our lives that we build in sand and there's parts of our lives that we build on a rock. But God, I pray that we would be a people that would would, would build and stand firmly on the rock of Christ Jesus so that others would see the hope of you. God, let us be a people that build on you. God, as, as we come now into this time of receiving the elements, and Lord, it, it, where we, we take our will and we line it up with yours, where it says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body it was broken for you, and he, he takes the wine and he drinks it and says, this is my blood that was spilled for you. God, as we come to, to that time in this service, God, and we, we receive the communion, God, I pray that 
If we need to repent today, God, we repent for the building on the sand and, and, and God, that we would make that decision to build our life on the rock in every area of our life, Father. God, if there's anyone in here today who doesn't know you, your word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. You pray that prayer today. You have this assurance of salvation. Lord, be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.